Thank you for downloading this Mass Device radio podcast. In this podcast, Mass Device's Brian Johnson and Secure CEO Jim Peterson discuss Peterson's personal connection to diabetes and how that personal connection has impacted the company's direction. You're listening to Mass Device Radio. So, Jim, uh, I'm always sort of fascinated that with many of the medical technology companies that we've covered, there's a, 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 some sort of personal narrative behind the founding of the company. Um, and I understand Secure is, is no exception to that. I was wondering if you could discuss the story, uh, the personal story behind why you founded the company. Yes. Um, uh, a lot of people, of course, uh, are brought into medical devices because of passion, uh, you know, for a specific uh, disease state or for taking care of patients and people in general. Uh, in my own particular case, um, um, I have a diabetic daughter, so I really lived diabetes through her for many years. And um, when I retired as um, CEO of Hemanetics, uh, being a biomedical engineer by training, I said, this is my next mission. And so I really plunged into um, the space of, uh, of bringing technology, encouraging technology to come through to help improve the quality of life of patients. And so that was a lot of not-for-profit activity. For example, I've been on the board of the Jocelyn Diabetes Center for years, um, things with the JDRF, et cetera. And in this particular case, uh, identified a, um, a technology with a Danish company that had been working on it for, for really quite some time that, uh, in my experience in the technology and diabetes area, I could see it had a chance of having a major impact on the life of people suffering with type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. So as the parent of someone uh, with diabetes, what, I mean, what do you... What do you think you know about the condition that perhaps some other folks in your position don't know? What, what, what do you know about this, this disease that, that makes it unique? You know, fill us in on that a little bit. Yeah, certainly is the struggle of day-to-day living. Uh, in diabetes, the patient is really their own physician. And as you, one goes through the... Um, the struggles, the day-to-day struggles of life, meeting, eating, exercise, stress, strain, making appointments, etc., it directly has an impact on uh, also on your 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 uh, your diabetes, your uh, blood sugar level, and of course you're always watching that. If you're uh, at particular stages of your life, you're watching it right. to um, uh, to make sure you try to stay, you don't go too high or you don't go too low. And um, uh, as, um, as a child goes through growing up, you can imagine that if you're a girl and a teenager, the last thing you're going to worry about is your diabetes. You're worried about your friends, your boyfriends, or who just had a slight from where, right. uh, school demands and so forth. But mixed in with all of that, with all of that living, day-to-day living, one has to be their own physician. And that's, that's a big struggle. And... When was your uh, your daughter diagnosed? Well, she's type 1, so it was age 3. Okay. And so she's had diabetes for well over 20 years. Um, and so the type 1 cycle uh, is uh, has its own characteristics. Um, the biggest one is that when you get type 1 diabetes, you basically lose um, your ability to produce insulin very quickly. 
Um, however, in type 2 diabetes, you lose the ability to produce insulin more slowly over time. And, and you start taking perhaps injections in your 50s. And this ends up being a real struggle. And uh, for example, that's the anecdotal part, but the literature <clears throat> is there. Um, in, what was it, 2006, I believe, an article was published by Perot in Diabetes Care that documented that well over half of all patients with type 2 diabetes do not take their injections as they should. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, the literature then documented what we all who are in diabetes know. The reasons they don't do that are three. Number one is the pain of injections. Number two, the hassle of it all. Here I am in a meeting, I left my supplies in the car, or I'm in the car, I left my supplies at home. And number three, the embarrassment. I'm at the pool with my friends and it's time for my injection. Hmm. So for these reasons that uh, people with type 2 diabetes regularly skip their injections and they have consequently bad uh, results from uh, retinopathy, uh, kidney function, nephropathy, and neuropathy where they can't feel, um, feel their fingers well, and then, of course, cardiovascular disease. And that's all very well documented. So with uh, the idea here is there is a new merging technology that, in fact, can address those concerns. Right. So let's, let's, let's sort of jump into that and the story behind C-Cure. So you're there. You're, you're working in this space you know, at Jocelyn, at JDIF, and this technology uh, you you just happen upon it, or uh, how does that come across there? Yes, uh, well, I became, <clears throat> after after several years of hanging around all the meetings and sponsoring some um, um, some prizes in the area and so forth, you, you get to know what's happening. Sure. And um, I was, uh, someone had mentioned to me that this company in Denmark had, um, had spent years developing uh, a technology for insulin infusion. And so I went to meet them, and they were at a point where um, the company's name is Danfoss, D-A-N-F-O-S-S, and uh, they're an industrial products company with valving and fluid movement and fluid sensing and so forth. And they had used their in-house technology to uh, develop this insulin infuser. They had uh, done basic clinicals on it, so they knew it worked. They could make it and sterilize it. Mm-hmm. But they knew to go forward, it had to be in the framework of a proper medical device company. And so the only answer was to spin it out. And so I was fortunate to be able to lead that spin out at the time. Um, and uh, with an uh, initial group of investors who were basically Geneva, Switzerland based, mm-hmm. which is uh, where my second, first home is actually, second right. home is in the Boston area. And, um, and so from there, we spun it out. However, what do you do then? Where do you find the talent? Where do you find the regulatory talent, quali- the quality management talent, the uh, manufacturing talent, et cetera, to take something like this forward? I knew, because of my previous experience, Boston was a great place for that. And so the operating center of that 
comp- of the company then was established um, in Marlboro, Massachusetts, outside of Boston. And then we started hiring and attracting that talent that we knew could deliver the goods. Now, I'd like to say a word on that sure. um, because uh, the talent you end up really getting the emotional charge from is talent that has personal experience with diabetes. Right. And so um, um, our, our team, if you look at it, starting with I uh, was able to attract Eric Millage to be chairman of the company. Eric was a previous chairman of J&J Diabetes Business. So on his retirement, he saw this would, was really going to work. And so he signed on as chairman. Uh, as head of regulatory, we've attracted uh, the head of actually J&J's devices regulatory business, who retired also. So we have a lot of old gray dogs around here. Right. And uh, he has personal diabetes experience and thought this was really a worthwhile thing for him to do. And then as we go through the rest of our management, you'll find diabetes, diabetes, diabetes everywhere, people being touched by it. But, um, and so at this stage of their profession, they say, this is something I really want to do. So these, these are people that are sort of personally motivated by the challenge of, of improving people's lives because some of them have undergone it themselves? Well, their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, aunts and uncles, and, mm-hmm. yeah, and with their personal experience too. I, I wonder, what are some of the intricacies of the diabetes treatment and management business that I don't, maybe you saw them when you were at Warburg Pincus and uh, also sort of personally invested in this space, but what, it's, a, it's a unique space in, in a lot of respects. I mean, it has such a tremendous amount of competition, but maybe you can touch upon some of the intricacies in the, in the actual business. Well, it depends on your area if there's competition or not. If you're leading, which one really wants to do, um, leading to bring new things and new technologies to improve the quality of life of patients, then you're almost by definition, uh, you're, you're in a space where not a lot of people have gone before you or maybe no one has gone before you, mm-hmm. like in, in our case. Uh, in our case, as it turns out, by happenstance, there was one other um, company and group that identified that opportunity. Uh, the company is Valeritas. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, symbiotically, is um, their operating headquarters is about 30 minutes drive from where ours is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have identified this space and have a technology um, directed towards. So, so there are two of us working on this, and thank God. And um, we don't consider them competition. We consider them comrades uh, in arms to bring this sort of simple, continuous insulin uh, delivery to millions of patients worldwide. Okay. Um, now, one other part of the story I left out. Sure. With the technology, not only do we alleviate the patient from injections, they no longer have to inject themselves, which is very important. The convenience, the hassle, it's always, it's always with you. You don't have to go looking for things. Not only does that happen, but it is clear in the literature and from our uh, initial clinical trials that getting insulin by flowing it on an even basis into the body produces better outcomes, better results than injections. And there's a whole physiology behind why you get better results. So with this new technology, not only do we improve the quality of life of patients because 
they're injection-free, but we improve their long-term quality of life because they'll have less loss of eyesight, they'll have less potential amputations, and all those terrible results that come from diabetes that when the blood sugars are running high. So when, when we, we talk about C-Cure, uh, is the reason you're in a relatively uh, uncrowded field is because you're dealing with the type with type 2 diabetics? Well, we, we, this was an opportunity that I guess we've identified and said, wait a minute, we can make a big difference in people's lives here and nobody else is doing it. Huh. So are most companies, they're concentrating on, on type 1 diabetes? Yes, historically the focus has been on type 1, and as you know, there's a, a, a huge amount of uh, uh, insulin pump activity. Uh, this, of course, is not an insulin pump. It's right. kind of between pumps and pens. And so there's a very quite a crowded field uh, in the insulin pump area, and there's some terrific work going on there to um, to mate that with continuous glucose monitoring and eventually get way down the road to whatever artificial pancreas will be. That's very important work. Heavy lifting, yeah. hard. It's going to take a while. Steps are being made, though, and so kudos to them. Meanwhile, we're not in doing that at all. We're back simple, 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 easy to use, and relieving uh, the patient from the burden of day-to-day injections. So in, in terms of, now you're still not commercialized in the United States, correct? This is still... No, we have um, passed our initial regulatory hurdles uh, in Europe with the CE mark, and we'll be filing for our FDA, maybe a 510K here at the beginning of 2014. But um, the regulatory, you know, one can get that work done. Uh, Valeritas does have their uh, 510K approval and are in the U.S. market currently. But the heavy lifting is getting into large-scale manufacturing. Since it's, uh, in our case, it's a device, you use it for three days, throw it away, and then use another one, you have to be in the position to to, uh, manufacture millions of these to be able to support large numbers of patients. Right. We're at the pilot-run manufacturing stage, so we have to get to the 24-cavity uh, mold stage right. for these precision parts. Um, our partner on that will be NIPRO, which is um, uh, hence sure. the facility also located close to us, or nipro Jable now, and um, uh, plan to uh, really the next 12 months is intensely dedicated to the manufacturability elements of the product, the adjustments, little adjustments to the products to get product to get it into manufacturing. And then once we're there, we'll be ready to go. And uh, so 2015 is our year to go really worldwide with volume. And do you imagine you'll launch in Europe considering you have such extensive history launching products there? Or? Well, no, it's all about manufacturing and being able to support tens, hundreds of thousands of patients. So it's really gated by getting the manufacturing. Okay being positioned for manufacturing. There's no, the market demand is is um, extraordinary, uh, and it's being proven right now by Valeritas in the United States. I mean, their market uptake for a one-day product, whereas we have a three-day product, uh, has been extraordinary, and um, they are the first generation into this marketplace. We'll be the second generation, uh, offering more basal rates, bigger choice of therapies, um, flexible 
uh, cannula for insulin going into the body rather than a needle. And something we only have to change once every three days rather than once a day, which um, uh, will be kind of a new, you know, the next step really in the therapy. Right. So take me a little bit through uh, how, how this product get, uh, gets in the hands of patients once it's uh, out commercialized and on the market. Is this something that you'll need a... I imagine you need a prescription for it, obviously, but uh, you find out you're diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Uh, how does it get in the hands of patients? Well, it, it'll initially it'll be uh, a physician talking to their patient mm-hmm. and saying it's time to take insulin. And there are a couple different ways you can do it. You can either do it with syringes, mm-hmm. you can do it with pens, or by the way, there is a way you can do it without injections, you just wear this little device on your body and change it once every three days, in our case, make your choice. Right. And, uh, of course, we're, as all of our surveys have shown, is that people would say, you know, I would like to try the one that where I don't need injections. Right. And so that's one important uh, dynamic. So then it'll be uh, a prescription is written, a patient will need about an hour of training, and then they're good to go. Uh, down the road, as we've looked, if you look at uh, uh, the blood glucose monitoring area, down the road, there'll be somebody on their Harley Davidson with gray hair right. who'll be saying, I'm now injection free. I have my pack. And yeah. then he goes roaring off in the distance. So, so down the road, the patients themselves will be saying, you know, I'd like one of those where I don't need to do injections anymore. Right. So yeah, I mean, considering that the type two market is, uh, it's enormous and ex- exploding, and, and there's going to be a significant amount of uh, patient engagement in that, and uh, probably direct to consumer marketing, right? That's where it'll go eventually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked at the device, and it's it's very sleek looking. It, it, you know, it, it it's a nice looking product. Uh, I, I'm wondering how important it is to make something that people. Uh, feel sort of a personal connection to is there there's a bit of a retail component here isn't there I mean. yes there absolutely is our um, um, in our clinical trials when um, uh, one clinical trial we just did in Europe we brought back in 10 of the people and then had um, uh, interviews you know and taped uh, taped the interviews and uh, and they all talked about it as though their personal thing they would all pat where it is on their body and my my buddy here you know it's this is what they, it does for me. Right. I couldn't get by without it. So that's, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, for your experience, I mean, you're, you come from a world where you deal with blood banks and apheresis machines and, you know, the orthopaths over at Hemonetics. That's just a, a totally different challenge. Is that ex- does that excite you? I mean, as well, a, it's very different. Of course, then I, that was what I did professionally. Well, personally, right. I was growing up with diabetes. Right. So it's uh, no... Intimately knowing the personal story and the personal struggles. And what does your daughter think of the device? Well, she'd love to have it, of course. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, uh, and I, yeah, you know, I, I know there are times as she was growing up that if she had a device like that, it would have been a night and day difference in her ability to manage, uh, you know, manage the disease. Do you? Maybe you could look uh, in the future. I mean, is this? Do you imagine that the pack device, I mean, like we said, it's, it, it looks small, it looks sleek. I mean, it, 
this will these devices these sort of insulin devices will continue to shrink, right? I mean, the, we could do you imagine a time where we can get this down to uh, you know something that's very very thin and almost imperceptible to to outside eye or oh yeah no this is um, uh, the first generation of things um, um, and uh, yes they'll continue to be refined um, and uh, as insulins insulins also uh, evolve you know there will be um, uh, a point where you need to change it once every seven days Mm -hmm. maybe instead of once every three days Um, and um, there'll be a form the form factor will evolve with that um, so this this has a long ways to go. This would be a very big deal in a very very big space. And uh, so as CEO, I'm um, I'm as even though our I'm following my job description, and uh, which is becoming easier by the day because of the terrific talent set that uh, that's been attracted. Um, it's all about team, and uh, so I'm really kind of the orchestrate orchestra leader of of the symphony. Right. Um, yeah. I'm struck by, I guess there, there is a little bit of corollary between the people that founded Hemonetics and, and yourself and, and the team you're putting together there. I mean, obviously, uh, Jack Latham wasn't, was an, was an older man past his career. Did you learn anything kind of watching that or? Well, certainly from Jack Latham, you would learn, uh, uh, it's all about technology and helping people and modesty. And, and, and the joy and the joy of making it all work right. and realizing that it's the team that does it there's no one person that makes it all work Excellent. or that does the work at the end of the day <laughs> and so how big a team do you have now over at Secure in terms of employees well let's see we're, we've been expanding rapidly we're probably approaching about 50 as far as our whole headcount is concerned um, we've been we're hiring lots of people right now, uh, mm-hmm. specifically with the manufacturing skill sets. Great. So is there anything I didn't ask that you uh, wanted to add? No, we did. I think we covered a lot of it. The primary takeaway here is that um, um, technology uh, can make an important impact on the quality of life of, of people in general. And in this case, we're seeing a, uh, because of the uh, availability now of precision molded parts and in large volumes where you can make things cost effective. We're seeing now um, technology can come in and play a major role in the type 2 diabetes pandemic. Pharma, of course, with all their drugs, is throwing everything they can at it, but this is a way that medical device can join pharma in having a major impact on the lives of all those people. With the worldwide pandemic, we've seen what's happening in China now right. and the Far East. I mean, it's far beyond just a, a something that can be employed and afforded only by people in the United States and the Western part of Europe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you, do you feel like you will have to, is this, is this the kind of product that you could release in emerging markets and not have to dramatically alter it? To- Absolutely. No, we have, uh, we have a lot of demand already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, uh, we have so many um, serious um, uh, uh, people talking to us about, especially the Chinese opportunity. We understand the Chinese opportunity relatively well. I've had a window into that through my work at the Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might mention that the first 
random controlled trial on type 2 patients to be published showing the showing that um, this infusion of insulin gives better results than injections was published in April from China. So they understand this really well, and they are ready as soon as our product is ready. Right, because I mean, which I mean, I, so the U.S., China, and India are those the biggest sort of countrywide markets in terms of uh, increase in type two diabetics, or? Yes, yes, I yes, yeah. If you look at the the, the centers of the pandemic, of course, it's uh, yeah, that would pretty much define it: Asia, China, and Asia. Um, well, Europe and the United States, and, right. and of course, let's not forget Latin America. Brazil, too, is a, uh, also a, a major, it's a major health issue. Because it's sort of a developing country problem, right? I mean, well, where it becomes a developing co- country problem is, um, uh, of course, when uh, uh, dietary habits change. Mm-hmm. And so a predisposition genetically uh, to the disease um, then uh, can be triggered uh, by uh, lack of exercise. Uh, by, you know, by uh, obesity, uh-huh. high uh, BMI, and um, um, yeah, and, and those two then will start to trigger uh, insulin resistance. Uh, it will start to trigger lots of um, um, hormonal activity that um, starts to make uh, the the uh, the disease onset or disease start to happen, where the beta cells then start to produce less and less insulin, and then over time. There'll be a loss, and um, and in let's say about five years, that patient then must be on insulin to live uh, uh, to stay alive. Well, it's it's fascinating work, Jim, and uh, I, I thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. Okay, good, to terrific, to talking with you, and uh, and look forward to the next time. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, best wishes. Take care. Yeah, bye. bye.